2022 Audio Description Awards Gala will premiere on November 29 at 7.30 Eastern. In recent years, there has been enormous success in expanding audio description for audiences who are blind, low vision, or who have other sensory disabilities that create barriers to full inclusion in the visual media. The Audio Description Awards Gala will celebrate the best of the best. Thomas Reed with Audio Description Voice Artist Navratiti Matos Alaveras will honor outstanding achievements in audio description in media and expand awareness of its benefits. Join us for this exciting event featuring special celebrity guests and celebrating audio description on www.adawardsgala.org, Pluto TV, and ACB Media 6. Join ACB for this special event and celebrate achievements in audio description in media. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, I think it's time to begin. I want to thank all of our piano enthusiasts slash students slash participants for joining me today. Uh, looks like we have some, oh, interesting, some... Uh, people who've been on before and maybe a couple of new ones. So that's great. Um, before I start, I thought I would try something a little new. If anyone has any topics they want me to review and or uh, talk about that they've had maybe um, some questions about, I would really love to hear about them. Um, I have an idea for today's um, presentation, but I have a sense that there might be some questions out there. Uh, and everyone's obviously at different levels. So if anyone has a topic that uh, they would like me to concentrate on and or any questions, uh, please speak up now or you can interrupt me, you know, as we're going along. But um, it's hard to know what people want me to talk about. So that's why I'm asking. <laughs> um, and I, I love the, you know, the back and forth. So uh, if you have a topic, let me know. Okay, thank you. Today, I want to talk about polychords. I think I've touched on this maybe a month ago, but I want to go a little deeper today. Basically, a polychord is saying we're going to play a chord in the left hand, and then we're going to play a different chord in the right hand, and together they are going to sound very jazzy. So, for example, if we were to play in the left hand a C7 or C dominant 7, same as C7, we would play 1-3 and lowered 7. I'm playing a C7. 1-3 and lowered 7. And then in the right hand, we could play a D as in dog, a D major triad, D, F sharp, and A. And that gives us a very jazzy, complex sound. In the right hand, we, the D is the ninth of the chord because it's nine letters up from the root. The F sharp in the right hand is the raised or sharp 11, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. Raised 11 or sharp 11. And the A in the right hand, A is in apple, is the 13th. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. We are in fact playing a D, excuse me, C, Charlie. C13 sharp 11 chord. But guess what? You didn't have to quote find the ninth, find or locate the sharp 11, find or locate the 13th. All you had to do was to play C7, which I would guess a lot of you know. And then a D major triad in the right hand, which many of you know. And you get a really about the most colorful chord you can have, right? You have a nine sharp 11, 13. Okay. So now the way we want to conceptualize that is the right hand's playing a major two triad, meaning a major triad built on the second note of the name of the chord, the scale. The scale, the chord is C7 in the left hand. The second note of the C scale is a D, and then we just build a major triad built on the second 
scale degree of the chord name. So I have my students do this drill. I call it, ask them to say out loud, major two over C7. Okay. Now we're going to go to F7. Well, what's the second note of an F scale? G. So it would be G major in the right hand. Again, a triad in root position. And the F7 in the left. Okay. And again, conceptually, it's a major two triad over F7. Let's do a couple more. So we may go to G7. The second note of the G scale is an A. And so we could play A major in the right hand, triad, three notes, with a G7 in the left, and lots of color. So let's apply that um, in the song Misty. By the way, this is most commonly used with dominant chords. It can be used uh, sparingly with majors and minors, but mostly with dominants. So every time I have a dominant, here's a G as in girl, G dominant seven, I could try a two over, right? Here's a C seven, and here's a D major in the right hand. Here's another dominant, two major two over B flat seven would be C in the right and B flat in the left. Okay. So if you go on the internet, some uh, instructors th think of this or call this technique upper structures. I call it polychords. It basically means left hand's playing one type of chord, the right hand's playing another. And together they make a great, great colorful harmony. Okay, so that's the major two over a dominant left hand. Again, it's built on the second note of the respective scale of the dominant chord's name. So if I'm playing the C7, uh, the second note of the C scale is D. F7, second note of the F scale is G. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's D over C7 or major two over C7. Now, there are quite a few polychords that work uh, on top of a dominant left hand. Oh, by the way, the dominant chord in the left hand, we should omit the fifth of the chord because that clashes with the sharp 11 in the right hand. So when you're playing polychords, uh, you need to play one, excuse me, root, third, and the seventh in the left hand, omitting the fifth, okay? One, three, lowered seven in the left. Much cleaner sound. Okay, let's talk about the next polychord. Uh, the next polychord is built uh, on the sharp four of the scale. So if we're in the scale of C, we're doing a C seven chord. The fourth note of the scale is F. And if we raise that a half step, we get a sharp four. So F sharp major in the right hand is another major polychord that we can uh, use to add a lot of color. Okay, so we have major two over C7. Now we have sharp major sharp four, okay, which is a de facto F sharp major triad right hand. <clears throat> so again, left hand's one, three, lowered seven, right hand is F sharp major. So if we apply that in misty, let's see if we can use that. Uh, sharp four major. This is a very cool sound, here we go. Right? Very jazzy sound. Unexpected. Okay, so the sharp four over C7 is F sharp over C7. And by the way, that would be the way it's written. Now, you're not going to really find, in my experience, uh, polychords written out in fake books. Um, but that's okay because when you see a C7 in a fake book, which you see all the time, 
you will know that you can try to add all these complex colors. D major, F sharp major. Right? Now you might see F C7 sharp 11 flat 9, but that's pretty complex. Right? So it's actually much easier to just think, oh, play a major triad in the right hand and a C7 in the left, knowing that's going to give you tons of color. Okay, so so far we have major 2 over C7, and we have a major sharp 4 triad over C7. Okay, And there's one more, and that is the A which is the sixth note of the C scale. A major um, would be a wonderful chord to play in the right hand on top of a C7. Okay. So what I tell my students is, you know, get a fake book, look at all the dominant chords, and then try to uh, apply these polychords and... I wouldn't worry too much about, is it a sharp 11, 13, what have you? It just doesn't sound good. Right? And most of the time, at least one of the three is going to work. Either the two over, major two triad over C7, or the major sharp four triad, or the major six. Okay. Now, the coolest thing in the world is if you play the two, I say that a lot, but it is really cool stuff. If you play the major two chord in the right hand, that's D as in dog, D major, right? Well, a nice way to remember the possible major polychords in the right hand, the notes of the two chord, D, F sharp, and A, happen to be the names of the possible right hand triads. Okay, so the notes, I'll say it again, the notes of the major two chord, D, F sharp, and A are the names of the possible major triads in the right hand. So D major, the sharp four is F sharp, and the six is A, and those are the notes of D major triad. Okay, so a wonderful drill, which I have most of my students do. This is pretty complex stuff, is to play and say... Major two over C7, major sharp four over C7, major six over C7. But again, the beauty of this is that you don't have to really even know what is the sixth of the scale. You just have to look at the notes of the major two. Here I'm doing G over F7. So G is the two, and then B and D. Right? The notes of G major are G, B, D. Let's do one more. Uh, let's do G, um, yeah, G7 in the left. And then we've got A major in the right. And the notes of A major are A, C sharp, or D flat, and E. Okay, so in a sentence, every dominant chord you see whether it's C7, G7, F7, F9, any dominant chord you can apply this concept to, and you're going to sound really, really hip. <laughs> All right. Oh, I see we have a few new people. Thank you. Uh, any questions on that before I go on? Is it clear as mud? Wow. Amazing, Not seeing though. any hands. Okay. All right, I'm trying to go slow, thanks to Tyann. He reminds me to go slow. These people, these participants have not been playing for 40 years now. <laughs> okay, um, so that's the major polychords. Now, wouldn't you know, there's some minor polychords. Oh, yay. All right, so to review one second, the major polychords that you can try to add for color are built on the notes of the major two triad. Now let's do some minor polychords. The minor polychords, uh, one is uh, sharp four minor. So if I'm playing a C7 in the left hand, the sharp four note would be one, two, three, four, 
and raise the fourth. So that's an F sharp in this case. So F sharp minor. And guess what? The notes of the sharp four minor are the names of the possible minor polychords. So that's very convenient. So the notes of F sharp minor are F sharp, A natural, and C sharp or D flat. So those are the names of the possible minors. So F sharp minor, A minor, and D flat or C sharp minor. Okay, so let's try that. So this would be sharp four minor over C7, six minor, again, built on the sixth note of the scale. And then we'll call this one flat two. And it's a lowered second D flat minor. So sharp four minor, six minor, and flat two minor. Well, let's see if we can apply that in Misty. Let's see, here's... Second chord is G dominant seven. Let's try a sharp four minor. Oh, that's cool. That's very pretty. Okay. So as I'm teaching this, I realize everything comes back to the scales, right? If you don't know the G scale, that's going to be difficult to find, more difficult to find the sharp four. But if you know the scale, one, two, three, four, raise the fourth, bingo. There we are. So. As the more and more I teach, the more scales are so critical for so many reasons, okay? But it does allow you to find the sharp four and the six and uh, flat two faster if you can see the scale, obviously. Okay, so here's Misty, and I'm going to play a sharp four minor polychord every time I have a dominant. So here's a G dominant, and here's a sharp four minor very dreamy, very pretty, if I may say so. Okay, now this chord is C, dominant seven. What's the sharp four of a C scale? I'll give you a minute to think about that. One, two, three, four, there it is. Okay, anyone who said F sharp minor is correct. Here we go. Here's F sharp minor. Right, that is a beautiful chord. It's a de facto C13 sharp 11, flat 9. And if you saw that in a fake book, you would probably quit piano instantly. Okay? But if you know your triads, if you know F, F sharp minor, and you know C7, bingo. You are all of a sudden in the top 10% of players. That's a colorful chord. Might want to sit on that for about five minutes. Get a coffee or something. It's very pretty. So here's a sharp four minor on this chord. Okay. It's different. Okay. Uh, let's try a six. <laughs> here we go. Six minor. So here's, here's my G7. So six of a G scale is, give you a second to think about that. Anyone who said or thought E, as in Edward, is correct. So I'm going to do G... G7 in the left with an E minor in the right. Hmm. It's not quite as much color in that chord, but it certainly works. All right, let's try the last one, which would be the flat two. Well, that's easy to find. The flatted second of a G scale is going to be A flat. Let's see if that works. So here's A flat minor. Let's see if I can picture that. Hmm. Ah. There's a note in the A-flat minor chord that conflicts with the melody E. So that's not going to work. So uh, the sharp four and the six work, but not the flat two minor. So that's really the only thing that's going to prohibit you from using these polychords, and that is if the melody is crowded by a, a chord tone, for example. Right? Now you could take that out. That would be interesting. Take out the problem note. So this would be A flat minor with one note out or omitted. Oh, that's nice. Which actually turned out to be <laughs> a major six. Right. Let's keep going. Here's a flat two minor. That doesn't work again for the same reason. 
the chord D flat minor has a note that crowds the melody. So that's not going to work. Flat two minor for this chord would be B minor. Hmm. Again, doesn't work because it crowds the melody. By the way, you don't really want to play any notes that are um, a half step or a whole step from the melody. That's too close to the melody. There's times when you can't avoid it, but definitely not a half step. You don't want any notes within a half step or a whole step of the melody. That's a, a rule. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so let's review. There's three major polychords that can be played on top of a dominant chord, and they are the two, sharp four, and six. By the way, that's the, a good drill to do, really good drill to do. Okay, and again, the two, sharp four, and major six, triad in the right hand, uh, those are the possible major polychords, and they are actual, the actual notes of the two chord are the names of the other ones. So D major, F sharp major, and A major. All right, so let's try that as a drill. Here we go, G major over F7, B major, D major, here's my two over, C, E, G. Here's my two over, F major, A major, C major. All right, and then there's three minor polychords, and they are the notes of the sharp four minor. So if I'm playing a C7, sharp four scale degree is half step up from the fourth, the fourth being F franc, so one, two, three, four, raise fourth or sharp 11. And so that's F sharp, F sharp minor, A minor, and C sharp minor or D flat minor. Okay. So you won't see, like I said, you will not see polychords in a fake book from my experience, but you will see lots of dominance. So just be aware if you see C7, C9, C11, C13, any dominant chord, uh, then you can try one or all of these six major or minor triads in the right hand. Okay. And the only thing that'll preclude you from using them is the melody if the chord tone in the right is too close to the melody. Uh, questions? I see we have two new people. Any questions? Otherwise, Travis, I'm going to have to ask you to summarize everything here. But I know you can't talk. <laughs> well, at least I was told that. <laughs> We're not supposed to, but yeah. <laughs> no questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfectly clear. All right. <laughs> Either that or just don't even know where to start, right? This is fairly complex stuff. But again, most students know their triads, right? In the right hand, that's pretty easy. And a dominant chord is basically a root, a major third, and a lowered seventh. I guess I should have explained that earlier. Can't assume anything. But that's the uh, essence of a dominant seventh chord. It takes a major third, like C major triad. And then we add what's called a lowered seventh. And that is located one whole step below the octave of the root. I'll say that again. A lowered seventh tone is located one whole step below the octave of the root. Or think of it as eight, right? Root. Octave of the root is eight. One whole step below eight is the lowered seven. And you okay. do have a hand now. Oh, okay. Thank you. Pam. All right, Pam. Yeah, it's me. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mark. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Mark. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, um, I was um, I was wondering, okay, with the uh, polychords you were talking about, does it matter? I mean, you can kind of play around like if you're doing C7. Yeah. Uh, does it matter? Can you kind of play around with the right hand? Which ones you want to do? If it's like you said, the fourth or the fifth, or mm -hmm. I mean, does it matter with the right hand? No, it's whatever sounds best to you. But there'll be, it might be one that you know has a conflict 
you know, one of the chord tones in the right hand might conflict with the melody. But other than that, it's really up to you. So to answer your question, yeah, I would try all six possibilities, right? The two, sharp four, and six. And then the sharp four minor, six minor, and flat two minor. Yeah. This depends on the, you know, the, the song. I mean, I wouldn't probably do that with a rock and roll song, right? They don't play lots of nines and sharp 11s. But I would do it with Misty, all the jazz standards. Some of the Beatles tunes, like, you know, um, Here, There, Everywhere, Michelle. Michelle. Right? That one lends itself. Mostly ballads, I would say, and in, in the jazz idiom. But not always. <laughs> But does it does it matter? Like, um, okay, you know, sometimes you play the left hand the chords and the right hand um, the melody just notes. I mean, it seems to sound fuller when you do that. The polychords. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, a special time when you really do the polychords more more so than you do the just the notes for the right hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um... To answer that, I would try every, see, it's mainly used, polychords are mainly used with dominance. So dominance are probably, I don't know, 30%, 40% of, of the, the chords you're going to find in a song. Maybe 50% if you're doing a jazz tune like Satin Doll or Misty. Okay. But they're really only, uh, the only possible, the main possible chords to use the polychords on are dominance. So right there, that's going to limit you to maybe a third to 40% um, you know, of the chords in the song. But every time there's a dominant, you can try any of those polychords, and they will sound really, really wonderful unless they crowd the melody note. So it's really, it's really subjective. I mean, which sounds better to you? I'll give you an example. For here, when I go, this, this, this particular phrase... This happens three times in the song because of the repeats. So the first time I would play six over because it's colorful. And the second time I would hit that measure, I would play the two over. A little bit more colorful. And then the third time I would do the sharp four minor over, actually the sharp four major. Right, so each time I'm getting progressively fuller and or more colorful. Right, this is a very unanticipated chord. Right, if I heard someone play that chord, I'm like, wow, I'd sit up straight and go, that's 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 cool. <laughs> right, so I don't want to show that necessarily the first time I play that measure. I would wait and do the other poly chord. So there is kind of a hierarchy of color. This major six chord, in this case, A major over C seven has the least amount of color, the sharp two chord, excuse me, the two major has the second most, has this, yeah, has the second most color. And then the sharp four minor, sharp four major, I'm sorry. That has really the most color. So I would play the, the A major first time, D major the second time, F sharp major the third time, knowing it's getting more and more colorful, more and more uh, interesting slash uh unexpected hopefully that helps you a little bit but yeah try all six five or six of them are going to work almost all the time all right you got one other hand now all right thank you hi doug doug hi there um this is really interesting um thanks for thanks for instructing thank you so i'm not much of a piano player late uh, yet, but I love the theory. So if you're playing, let me see if I can say this correctly, sure. a six minor polychord, mm-hmm. could you, well, you you said early on when you're playing the major poly, polychords, avoid the fifth in the root chord because you're going to, it's going to clash. Yes, sir, I sir. wonder if for the minor chords, when you're playing the sixth minor, mm-hmm. if you could get away with it because it is, it's one whole step away, um, and depending um, upon and depending upon how it's voiced, it might actually work. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. I really didn't think about that. Let me think about that. So the two, 
A sharp, I'm doing the majors. Two, sharp four's got a conflict. Six, yeah, the six major and the six minor would not conflict with the fifth. Yeah, I think, yeah. to be honest, yeah, great, great, uh, great point. Yeah, I think because it's kind of not that easy for students as it is, I, I like to just say, you know, it's, this will always work. But you're absolutely right. right. You're absolutely right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like, <laughs> unfortunately, I do better at thinking about this stuff on my head than I do mm. actually applying it to the keyboard. So, oh, well. <laughs> no, well that, I love that question. I love the comments. You're absolutely right. You, the six would absolutely, let me try the minor. That's a problem. Yeah. Six Very would work. Good. Yeah, those are the two that would work. Great. great. Okay, Very good. thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Really deep question. Very specific. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, that means you're really thinking about, you know, all the possibilities. Yep, major six and the minor six do, do not conflict with the fifth and the left hand. So you could put that in there. Now, that brings up another, it's, I love the way this kind of weaves and goes around different obstacles. Um, you could just do the tritone in the left hand, which would give you a little bit leaner sound. The tritone being the third of the chord. Mm and the lowered seventh, just those two notes. So here's the, here I'll just play the tritone versus the one, three, seven. It's a little thicker. Here's just the tritone. Oh, that's pretty cool. So that's two, major two over G7, but I'm just playing two notes in the left hand, the third of the chord and the lowered seven. So that's a little interesting sound. So here I'll play just the tritone, the third and the seventh. Right. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but the third and the seventh of the chord are the defining notes, right? They give you the actual function of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the chord, right? So you want a little bit of a leaner sound, take out the root, right? Um, it's not necessarily going to give you any more options. You can still try the three majors and the three minors, but it is an interesting leaner, meaner sound, so to speak. Yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we haven't really even talked about the voicings. Voicings meaning the arrangement of notes. We're playing the left hand dominant seven in root position, meaning the lowest note is the name of the chord. See, E, B flat, Charlie Edward, boy flat. All right, but we could play a different voicing and we could do maybe three, seven, nine. All right, it's a little bit different sound. All right, so as you get lower on the piano, you don't necessarily want to play one, three, seven. You can just play three, seven. So let me illustrate for those of you who have not heard me talk about this, why the third and the seventh are the most important and defining notes. Here's C major seven, all white notes. Here's C dominant seven. And here's C minor seven. Notice that the root and the fifth of each of those chords, the C, and the G are common. All three of those chords have a C and a G in them. What's changing? The third and the seventh. Right? So the three and the seven defined, define the type of chord it is. And when it comes to dominance, we can just play that third and seventh. It's called a tritone because it's three whole steps apart tritone the tritone interval three whole steps apart define uh the dominant sound so here's misty I'll, for all the dominance i'll just play two notes in the left hand the third and the seventh so here we go and here's a major two over a tritone left hand here's a major two with tritone in the left just the third and the seventh Here's a B flat, third and seventh, only on the left, with a major two in the right. 
right? It's quite a bit different than that one's almost kind of dark and maybe too heavy. This depends, but here's a cleaner sound, all right? There we go. So major six over tritone left hand. We have a question, I think. We do, Estelle. Oh, thank you. Hey. Hello. Thank you. This is Estelle. Uh, I, it's, it's a really elementary question, I'm sure. But when you're playing that C7 in the left hand, yes. why do you call it the dominant? Uh, what does that refer to? Thank you. Yeah. Um, there are, this will get to your point, but there are seven chords in every scale. Okay. So right. the one chord, the two, the three, the four. If we're in the key of C, the five chord is a G dominant seven. So to your question, they call it dominant. And I'm not 100% sure of this, but I believe it is true. They call it dominant because that's really the chord that dominates. That's, that's the circular. It's the most important chord in, the, in this key because it's the only dominant. It's the only uh, chord that absolutely has to res have a resolution. It's really the chord that defines the, the scale or key because the one and the four are major, the two, the three, and the six are minor. But if you're playing G7, you're in the key of C because that chord only exists in the key of C. So it's a very right. strong uh, identifier of the key you're in. I thought you said that when you played the C7 in the left hand that you were playing C, E, G, and B flat. Yes, no? that's true. No, that's true. That is a C dominant seven. Mm -hmm. So what key would, let me ask you this. What key would that be in? Remember? Oh, okay. So it'd be, I don't know. G? No, you're on. <laughs> Yeah, if it's a dominant chord, it's the five of the key you're in. So if C is five, what's one? F. F, very good. That's right. So I see. It makes sense, yeah. Because there's only okay. one dominant per key. So that's a really that's a really important thing to understand because when I see a dominant in any song, I know C seven is the five of F and it's gonna go home to F. So when so, you yeah. say when you're saying it's the C dominant seventh, you're not talking about the scale or the core of C. You're talking about the scale of F. Mm -hmm. Now C dominant seven does not exist in the scale of C major because it's got the black note. Right? We know C major is all white, so it couldn't possibly be in the key of C major, right? Thank you very much. Yeah. It makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate everyone asking questions, and there's nothing that's too simple or, com well, hopefully not too complex for me. But it's interesting to me because I don't have the perspective of, except for what my experience, which is 50 years of playing the piano, thinking about this every single hour, at least when I'm not doing right. something else. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. It reminds me, I have a uh, blind student, Louise. She is, uh, no, she's 11. She's a, just like a sponge. I could teach her 10 hours a day and go home refreshed. Uh, actually, I am home. <laughs> but anyway, so a friend of hers, a blind young boy in her class, was going to play the happy birthday. And he started on a C, middle C. And then, wait a minute, there's a B flat in the melody. Wait, what's that all about? Well, he didn't realize that happy birthday starts on the fifth note of the key you're in. So he was thinking the key of C, oh, it must start on C. No. And the fact that the melody encountered a B flat, right? That tells you you're not in the key of C. And of course, you're going to end on an F and most songs end on the name of the key they're in. So uh, when I was 10, I got this gift for Christmas. There was a book of, you know, 100 songs, Misty as Time Goes By, all these standards. It said what key it's in and the starting note. Well, I was an unappreciative 10-year-old. I'm like, thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. What good is this book? Very important, because if you don't know that Blue Moon starts on the fifth of the key you're in, 
how are you going to know the chords to do, really? Right, or happy birthday starts on the fifth. Misty starts on the fifth. Try to remember starts on the third. Right? So it's rather important to know that because if you're playing in C, then you want to start on the third of E melody. Now I know I'm in C. That song is so patterned. When I perform it, I perform it in B, key of B major, and then I'll modulate to C. And then I'll play it again in C with ninths, elevens, thirteens, maybe some polychords, and then D flat. So uh, because it's two patterns, one, six, two, five, and circle of fifths, I'm able to play it in different keys with relative ease. And now I have four minutes of a performance instead of you know a minute and a half. So that's kind of how I think strategically when, I, when I'm performing. I have no idea how much. If I lose everyone, it's because I only had 40%. Uh, oh, I see a hand. Pam. Yeah, Pam, Pam has her hand up. Oh, sorry to um, intervene, Travis. That's I guess your job. Sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> All good. All good. I got two questions and I'll hang up. I got two questions and I'll hang up. The first sure. one is, could you reiterate when uh, about Mark, um, about the... Um, um, when do you eliminate the fifth? And um, also, do you think it'd be helpful to like, since there's like, uh, since there's a few scales, you know, like C, D, F, G, do you think it'd be helpful to memorize the scale since there's flats and sharps in, in this, mm -hmm. each scale sometimes yeah. or some of them? Okay, thank sure. you. Yeah, you are. Thanks for that question, Pam. Absolutely. Um, and you want to get to the point that you, I was telling Tyann this yesterday and her, her um, someone I was teaching yesterday. <laughs> um, you want to get to the point where you can name the notes of the scale without necessarily playing them. First, we'll play them. Okay, so C is all white. Three, four, three, four. All right, and then G has one sharp. Three, four, three, four. All right, but I get a lot of students from other classical teachers and they can play their scales, but if I ask them to close the fallboard, close, cover the keys, tell me the notes of a G major scale, they can rarely do it. Okay, so it's muscle memory. Right, but we want to get to the point where we can say, okay, these are the notes of a G major scale. Close your eyes, whatever. G, A, B, C, D, E, F sharp, G. Okay, now you really do know it. It's not rote. It's not muscle memory. It's intellect. Right? You're, in your mind's eye, you're picturing that scale. And then if you want to improvise, well, that's pretty easy. But if you ask me to do something in G flat, I got to be able to see that scale in my, in my mind's eye. Let's see if I can do something. So get to the point where you can name, to answer your question, the notes of the more popular scales, C, obviously, G, and D, and then maybe F and B flat. Uh, there's a little trick, and it's a kind of a misconception, but a lot of classical teachers say, okay, the circle of fifths is you start out with the key of C major, all white. And if you go up five notes on the C scale, Right, that's the scale that has one sharp, okay? G major has one sharp. Go up five notes on the G scale, and the next is scale is D. D has two sharps. So that's a little trick. It's not at all the true circle of fifths, which I'm hopefully have made that clear over the, the weeks here. True circle of fifths describes chords moving down, C to F, B flat. Okay, but this... Movement up a fifth is a little trick to remember how many sharps uh, are in the scale. Okay. Now, your other question, Pam, uh, in terms of eliminating the fifth, um, I teach it where you eliminate the fifth all the time. Your left hand just plays one, three, lowered seven. Okay. Because uh, as I mentioned to Doug, it's kind of hard to remember when I can put it in, when I can't. Um, so just one, three, seven, and the left. But if you want to add the fifth, uh, you can add the fifth when you're doing the major six polychord. 
and the minor six polychord. Those are the two major six and minor six polychords in the right hand are the two that you can play the fifth uh, in the left hand along with. Okay. But the fifth is the least important note, by the way, of a chord. Okay. And the root is the second least again, because of uh, my example earlier of how we have three different chords. Right? And yet the root and the fifth are the same. They're not pulling much weight. Okay. So one illustration I do is I'll play Misty with no roots and no fifths. Here we go. It's like, uh, there was a polychord. There's no G in that anywhere. Right? There's no D in there. There's no root and fifth. But it sounds fine because the third and seventh are what making the sound, what makes the sound uh, function a certain way. The fifth is totally moot. And the root, believe it or not, is not that important either. So here we go. That's a C chord, C major chord. And there's no root anywhere in that chord. Here's a major two over three and seven in the left. There is no root and there's no fifth. Sure sounds fine to me, right? Okay, so I can't stress enough the importance of, um, you know, the three and the seven. And when it comes to a dominant chord, that's really all you need is just that three and seven because it is so defining. Uh, I don't know how much juice I have left here, so I'll just, I'll just add this. If anyone likes a free 30-minute, no-obligation lesson, whether it's theory or scales or playing or arranging, um, just go to blindpianolessons.com. I've got to put my plug in there. And um, fill out the contact page. I'm happy to call you. Lessons are, you know, over Skype, but mostly I teach my visually impaired over just telephone. Just need a phone, <laughs> my bell. Any other questions? There's going to be a quiz later, Travis, so I hope you're paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to play piano. They did a survey of adults. I know I've told this to others, but survey of adults in America, and they asked them what one thing that you always want to do, and they didn't preface it with, you know, theater, arts, sports, number one answer, play the piano. But you want to, you want to understand chords. Uh, that's a much faster road to playing songs than, than classical. Estelle's back. Ah, Stell's back. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, oh. You had mentioned that if we go to your blindpianolessons.com, there was some place where you have a list of so many hundred songs that we could get mm -hmm. audio-wise. Yeah. Uh, actually, there are on blindpianolessons.com there are five uh, there are five audio versions of. Of songs where I go by, you know, E, B, 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 walk you through slowly. Um, but if you want my list of all of my arrangements slash audio, go to piano web, one word, pianoweb.com. There is where I have my list of 5,000 arrangements, 500 audio podcasts, 400 instructional videos. So you just click on the home page, you'll see a big you know, colorful rectangle that says podcasts, uh, videos, right? So it's right on the homepage of Piano Web, one word, pianoweb.com. And I'm going to try and, if someone could please uh, comment on this one, but I was told by a few of my blind students that, you know, drop-down menus are not ideal for visually impaired or blind students. So um, I think I'm going to probably just put those audios on my the homepage of blindpianolessons.com. Is that true in your estimation, Estelle, or anyone else? A drop down yeah. menu is kind of hard. I'm I'm pretty much an amateur at all the technology, but uh, I know I don't do too well on my phone, bouncing around and navigating. So that you know, however, it's simpler <laughs> helps yeah. helps us a lot. Okay. Yeah. Good. And you said at the piano lessons, uh, blindpianolessons.com, you have five. What is it? Five different uh, audios. Yeah, five. Thank you. Five different um, audio files, and but it's under the drop-down menu. There's three drop-down menus: like homepage, learning resources, and then the contact page. So underneath learning resources, so you have to click on that, and then you'll see, or you'll you'll hear be able to hear. There's five different audio files: Chim Chim Cheri, my favorite things, loving you, blue skies. Um, where you can listen to those. Now, if you can't find those, 
just email me and I'll send you in a link, the audio file. Okay. So though in those five files, you have instruction and commentary as well as just the the song itself. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. That blue eye. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to fill an hour. Any other questions? Doesn't Diane. look like it. Tyann, do you have any questions? I like to put Tyann on the spot because she puts me on the spot. <laughs> well, I always have questions, but uh, not that I can think of specifically right now. Okay. Just trying to work on Fly Me to the Moon. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'll do an audio file tomorrow for you. It'll be really good. But I would highly recommend not to, I don't mind doing this for you. But I'd highly recommend that you listen to that because, you know, basically any song that you can sing, it's going to expedite your learning, right? Regardless okay. of what I do. So fly me to the moon and let the stars go out on there. Yeah. Very scalar, right? Very, very uh, okay. straight down the scale. Right? Quite patterned, too. And tons of circle of this. So, yeah. yeah. I'll send that tomorrow. Okay. Let's see. So... We talked about the polychords. There's three majors and there's three minors. The majors are built on two chord. In the key of C or for a C7 would be a D major. So it's D, F sharp, and A. And the minor polychords are the notes of the sharp four minor, F sharp, F sharp minor chord, which is F sharp, A, and C sharp. So six. Those are the main ones. There are a few more believe it or not, but um, definitely want to try those every time you see a dominant chord. And dominant chord is basically a letter and a number, C7, C9, C11, C13, right? As opposed to a major chord, which is typically they will write the letter, then MAJ7 or MAJ9, MAJ13, right? Exception being a letter by itself is a triad, right? C major, C, F, G, D, E, A, right? Uh, also six. Six indicates a major chord. So C6 is major. So yeah, of course, it can't be absolutely true because it's out of science. It's an art. But basically, a letter and a number is dominant, except for C6, which is major. Okay, and then minor, small m, and or dash or hyphen. Um, and what else? Oh, let's talk about symbols for a moment. So, augmented. Many of you know this, but maybe not all of you. Augmented means raise the fifth a half step, and that's universally written as a plus sign. So, C plus is C augmented, which is C E G sharp. Sus four, uh, they'll typically write out S U S four. Some books will say S U S. I've even seen seen just the number four, like C4, uh, in some rock and roll books, <laughs> believe it or not. But basically, sus means four instead of three. And then lastly, diminished is DIM in the older fake books. And the newer ones, you'll see just a little circle, like a degree symbol, right? A little circle is diminished. All right. So I'm off to go perform. I know we haven't filled a whole hour, but um, I just don't want to be cut off. I don't even can't even see how much I did power my phone, and like I said, it didn't engage. So I'm sure I'm close to being running out. Any other comments or questions? Is there a topic I'm happy to go over in the remaining five minutes that doesn't have anything to do with what? Oh, Kenny Rogers has joined us. Wow, I love Kenny. Let's see if I can play a song. That is Kenny. Oh, it's Ken Rogers. Never mind. Close <laughs> enough, right? Close enough. Yeah, exactly. I always have. I'm always like Kenny Rogers, the owner of the owner of the state of Alabama. He has some great songs, man. 
great songs. <laughs> you know, I was thinking uh, another host about a month ago, Patricia uh, from Florida was suggesting that I do like a trivial pursuit. So I've been thinking about that, uh, like a musical trivia contest. If anyone would be interested in that, raise your hand or you can comment next time. I thought that'd be kind of fun. And then whoever wins the most, um, whoever guesses the right answers the most could win like, I don't know, maybe a free month's lesson. Uh, and if you didn't want to take it yourself, you could donate it to a cousin, brother, son, father, grandmother, whatever, right? Someone listening in right now knows someone who has always wanted to play the piano. That's a, for sure. <laughs> so I thought that would be kind of fun. Like, for example, uh, whoa, let's see. Let's do this one. So what year was that? Was that movie? Wizard of Oz? Anybody? Know? <laughs> 39. 39. Who said 39 first? I did. This is Doug. Nice. Uh, 19, yeah, it's the number one song from a movie. So maybe I could get some input in the remaining few minutes here. Um, yeah, how would that work in terms of, you know, um, naming the tune. I don't think naming the tune would work because the first person who named it, how would I know who said it first? You know what I'm saying? Whereas if I do the date, right, that would be the closest one. I'm just trying to figure out how, you know, how to do this. The way Any people ideas? do it is raised hands. The first one to raise their hand with, and gets the correct guess. I see. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the host could kind of kind of keep track yeah, of so that? The host, it, it would keep the host busy is what that would do. Oh, yeah. Big time, big time. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Okay, so let's have some fun. Let's do another one. Nice job, Doug. Wow, very good. I, I got to tell you a funny story. So I was playing um, right? Moonlight Sonata, doing musical trivia at the gig, and I'm like, okay, well, what year was that? And one guy's like, 1939. No, I don't think so. <laughs> another lady's like, 1492. <laughs> no, that was Columbus. <laughs> you know, so we have fun with it. You know, I mean. Um, some people know the lifespan of Beethoven, others have no clue, right? So it's, everyone has their fortes. One more question. So tell me the movie that this one, let's do a little thing here. What movie is this from? Casablanca. Right, so how would that work? Someone have to, very good, who is that? Sorry, it's me again, it's Doug. It's me. Yeah. It's me so again. the way we would handle it, it's instead of blurting out the answer, Doug would raise his hand and be, then... Mm-hmm. It's the way the ACP usually does. I apologize. I got, no I just, problem. I People get excited. <laughs> but I'm just no, saying no. that when we've had trivia with ACB calls, that's usually what we do. It's the first person to raise their hand. Right. Called so on, gotta, and if they get it wrong, then we go to the next hand until somebody gets it right or we run out of hands. Right. So that's that's pretty intense for the host, especially if there's 15 people or whatever, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So. I like to do, yeah, mm-hmm. we can do name that too. And that would be kind of like a lightning round. Fun. Yeah, it would be fun. But the, the hmm, interesting. Yeah. But if I do like the year, then it would be the close. I've done this before. You know, it'd be the one who gets closest to it. Right. And yeah. basically yeah. someone could listen to 10 of them and go, okay, uh, Beethoven died in 1827. And the closest one was this, but you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it'd so be now Doug has his hand up. I'm I'm paying attention to the rules now. You're practicing. What you could, what you could also do. Thank you. You could, you could ask music theory questions. Oh, right? That's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? Duh. Yeah. What is a crap? I can't. I can't think of a good question right now. What is so. the six? What's the six chord in the key of G, girl? Or six chord in G. You could ask yeah. things like, "What are the different?" modalities right aeolian and Mm -hmm. and phrygian and all your all your good friends you know (laughs) that's good i like that yeah yeah and i I think it'd be a lot of fun first and i would definitely you know make do on uh you know a couple free lessons or whatever right and that would be could be um, just to be a lot of hair pulling too right so (laughs) well what do you mean by that what do you mean I mean, for the for some of the students who just like to play, right, and don't. Mm. Oh, I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Well, it also Lydian and all the who's Lydia, you know, right? So, <laughs> well, that's true, and yet, you know, um, that's interesting. But I like the theory part because that kind of aligns with what I'm trying to teach people, right? Wow, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's do one more. We got a minute, I think. Um, okay, tell me. I'm going um, to uh, uh, recuse myself this time. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, no. Please, please it's don't. The top I'll, of the I'll hour. Wanna... I want to see if I can if I can stump you. Who? Um, let's see. Hold on a second. Who wrote this? Anybody? Smile. You know who wrote it? It's really quite fascinating. No, I don't. I know this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a fun part. Okay, now I know you know songs, but you don't know composers. Believe right. it or not, um. Uh, Charlie Chaplin wrote that. I oh. never knew he wrote music. Yeah. Smile. So anyway. Uh, so yeah, let's listen in next time. I think we'll do a little bit of that. That'd be fun. And I, great. Thanks for your ideas on the theory. Thanks for everyone's questions. Thank you, Travis, for hosting. Appreciate Welcome. it. And uh, hopefully I went slow enough, Tyann. Everybody have a great week. Okay. Thank you very much.